You're listening to the Archaeology Podcast Network. Welcome to episode 18 of a Life in Ruins podcast. It's another edition of Our Ruined Lives. It's me, your host, Carlton Gover, with my co-host, as always, David Ian Howe and it's Connor. We're just going to say Connor this time. I don't I don't have anything prepped and Connor Johnin. So that's his real name everybody. I couldn't I was thinking I coconut but I did a coke uh what is it? Well, yeah, I included your middle name. Sleepy Joe Biden. <laughs> oh god. Okay. So as you guys can already tell, it's just the three of us today for this episode for our road lives. It's been a while since the three of us had had the the airwaves together, even though we just spent uh, some quality time here in Boulder. So here's another edition of Our Ruined Lives. Your three hosts, as always. Chris isn't here. We don't have a Webster Dictionary, so it's literally just the three of us. Uh, we're we off the hooks. We off the hooks. We off the hooks. Books? So, uh, off the hooks. rails. Off, off the hook? I mean. I don't know. Wild card. So, yeah, so far, just a minute of nothing already. So, uh, yep, here we are. So, but uh, for our listeners, we're recording this uh, the first week of March. Um, we just spent, wasn't this past weekend, but the weekend before the three of us got together in Boulder. Got to host my two best friends. Oh. And uh, we had a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun. Did you guys have a lot of fun? No. <laughs> Well, that's <laughs> yeah. That was good. The People's Republic of Boulder was um, the People's g- Republic of Boulder. <laughs> was was generous as always. Liberalvania. Yeah. I would describe my time as not the worst. I was kidding. I had a great time. <laughs> well, the funny thing is, it started off great for you, David, didn't it? It was like you went toe to toe and basically broke a Chick Fil A lady. Oh my God! Yeah, yeah. Please tell. <laughs> I was dying when you were telling me the story. Okay, I forgot. So what? So so okay. So for our listeners, um, the, we're we're just going to kind of talk about this for the beginning. Uh, Connor and Dave. Connor for David flew out to Boulder on February twenty first. Connor drove from Montrose and then like yeah, just go. What happened in the airport on They're your way like here? Announce my blood type. Do they need to know what date it was? It's O positive, right? That's your blood type. Is that even a thing? That's like what blood yeah. type I have. <laughs> Get the fuck out of here. I don't know. Okay. Anyway, I'm heading to Atlanta, which is a two hour drive from where I live. Two hour drive. Two, two hour drive. Sorry. Two hour drive. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm loosening up. So, um, wait, Chick-fil-A. Right. So I stopped to get gas in like in between Atlanta and, and, and where I live. And this is and, like early in the morning, right? Yeah. It's like seven or eight. And, uh, and I'm like, you know what? I guess I could eat something, but I'm like vegetarian now. So I've got to like, I can't eat chicken. Um, but I did know, cause I saw one of my coworkers eating it one time. They have like eggs and potatoes at Chick-fil-A. And I was like, you know what? I could fuck with that. So then I went into the thing and I was like, okay. And it was a quick like line. Sorry, it's been a minute since I told the story. And I get in, but you know when you're like at a Chick-fil-A drive-thru, I've only been like three times in my life, but you're like 
stuck in like a two lane drive through. Anyway, I'm going to speed this up. Stop. I couldn't get out and I ordered my food and I was like, hi, I would like the egg and potato scrambler, please. But I would like no chicken in that. And the lady goes, what? And I was like, <laughs> just the egg and potato and chicken scrambler, but just hold the chicken. And then she was like, I don't know if... Hang on. Then like five minutes pass and she finally comes back and she's like, sir, okay, I'll have to give it to you all as separate items in one dish. And I was like, at this point, I don't care. Just give, I'll pick the chicken off if I have to. Just give it to me. And then she puts it in and she's like, okay, eggs, chicken, no potatoes. And then I was like, no, no chicken. That just, you know what? Just, just give me the eggs. Just give me the eggs. I can't remember what the hell happened. And she's like, ah, all right, I have to start over. And I was like, ugh. And then she's like, I'll give you another thing of potatoes so you can mix it in. And I was like, I don't care. I have to catch a flight. Just literally type in the thing and put minus chicken. I don't know how it works, but it can't be that difficult. And she finally does it. I forget what the punchline to this was that I told you guys because it's just a blur at this point. But I like, I'm almost okay. I guess that's the punchline. I get to the freaking airport then, park my car, and I told myself, okay, you know, I have a good two hours before the flight. But because of Chicken McChick Chick, I had to get literally an hour and a half late to the airport. Since somehow I don't know how this worked out, and then I get to the airport and I okay, and I thought. I paid $200 last year for clear, like the TSA thing, where you literally scan your retinas to get on there. And I get to the line and I was like, hi, I'm here to use. I mean, I didn't say that. I was just like in the line where I'm supposed to go. And she's like, sir, this doesn't say it on your boarding pass. And I was like, okay, well, you can literally scan my retinas to tell you that I do have this clear thing he's like you'll have to go on the other line which of course like camera pan over to it i look and it's like 40 minutes long and i was like okay <laughs> gonna miss my flight then i finally get through all the stuff and my flight's already boarding and it's the atlanta airports so then you got to go through the security then you got to go on the tram and then you gotta go all the way down my fat ass runs across the atlanta airport and for some reason i decided to take my backpack off and hold it by the water bottle which then the water bottle felt like I held my hand, my backpack fell underneath it and just shit fell everywhere. So I grabbed it all up, kept running. And someone was like, be careful. And I just like looked at them and then just kept running. Like, what the, what does that mean? And then I finally got on my flight and the guy was like, Oh yeah. Did you have like a TSA thing issue? And I was like, yeah, I had clear. And he's like, yeah, you got to do it online. And I was like, Oh, Oh, I'm like scanning my retinas, but I got to do it online. Cool. And then on the way back <laughs> through the Denver airport, I literally asked the lady at the like, Southwest check-in and she was like, no, you just go through. And I was like, what? And I went through the Denver airport and I literally said, do I need this on my boarding pass? And the guy goes, no, they scan your retinas right this way. <laughs> and I like l just looked at like, like Jim on the office, just looking around like, is anyone fucking watching it? Sorry. I'm irate. <laughs> that all started because of the Chick-fil-A. I was real mad. <laughs> okay. 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 So. That happened. You <laughs> land in Denver. Connor picks you up. And you guys, did you guys go immediately to Denver Museum of Nature and Science? Uh, after like three hours, <laughs> an hour of just delirious laughter in the car. Yeah, we went to, oh, we got sushi too, right? Yeah, we got sushi. Yeah, there's a, I can't remember the place of it. I'll look it up at some point. But there's a great pl sushi place in Denver that serves, um, it, does, it gives you the roll and doesn't slice it up. And there's like apparently like a certain style. 
hand roll. I think they call yeah, it. Yeah, hand roll, and then we we went fucking ham on some some sushi. Even though you just came from like the coast, so you would which should have been fresher seafood. It's 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 whatever. It's whatever. Um, it was all right. Yeah, it was good. We had a good time. But then we went to the Denver Museum of Nature and Science because David, you had some sweet connections there, right? Yeah. Slid into Talia, is it Talia H? No, Talia, no, hang on. Talia does science. There you go. Slid into the DMs. There was like a dramatic pause. We don't. Yeah, I I slide in the DMs constantly on Instagram. Not not for flirtatious reasons. Sometimes I do. But this reason, (laughs) literally just because she does stuff at the Denver Museum. And I was like, yo, how do I get in the Denver Museum? And she was like, oh. Let me just ask somebody. And then I literally signed to two things and I was the next day flying out there to go take pictures of skulls. It was pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah. And we also had a, we met our friend, uh, Megan Grizzle. We went to university of Wyoming with who was on one of our feature Fridays. Go check her out. She's uh, a lot of fun. She's one of the, uh, is she a curation assistant at the, I think. Yeah. Like collections assistant. Maybe I can't remember. Yeah. 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 So, so we knew both of them Our David knew Talia and, and, talk to them and then we yeah we got we got in through the side gate didn't have to pay whoop 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 yeah that was cool yeah i was wait so while, while they're doing all this the reason why i wasn't present is the weekend because he so hates we, us we pl- we, no uh we planned this weekend like a, a month or two ago and so we so it was planned in advance but during that time the antho department at boulder just started doing like pre-acceptance weekends for for potential grad students we used to not do that before it was basically like here's your offer letter come or not on your own dime and so we changed that and they decided i mean like i of course i'd had nothing in the planning they were like all right it's this weekend i'm like great sweet that's the same weekend connor and david are here and since i'm an idiot and i'm the president of our you know anthro grad association i had to be at all these things and so i couldn't so like i was i was entertaining new students but also as some of you guys saw on the Instagram a while ago, um, this 3D scanner of a Triceratops, the university heard about this and they wanted to do a media piece about it. And that was that Friday. So while they were at Denver Museum of Nature and Science, I was at the CU Boulder Museum of Natural History doing this public piece about this, of the capabilities of 3D scanning. And they're doing an article and, and a video about it. And so like while they're doing their thing at the museum, I'm doing my own thing at this museum. So that's why I wasn't there. But I think it was like better that we did these. So, I mean, we had a fucking busy weekend i mean this whole the whole process of them coming here was like film new content and like get ready for saas to make sure we're on track and last time the three of us got together (laughs) we really didn't do much except uh (laughs) like we had this whole saa planned to filming did like none of that we did a bit of it and it was mostly of a weekend of us just broing out and then we ended up having so you guys did went to denver i mean the pictures look great you guys got some awesome content i'm super envious yeah, it, um, it was actually, if you don't mind me going for a minute on that, the, um, the, like we got to go see the anthropology department and then, which was or like the, the collections, which is awesome. And then we got to go down to the zoology collection and that was like state of the art. It looked like, I mean, like a, a, a collections facility looks like, or repository looks like the end of Indiana Jones where there's like just a whole warehouse full of like stuff, but it's all organized into climate controlled boxes and like shelves that move. And like Denver had it on lockdown. It was good. Uh, and then we saw the anthropology department and like 
got to hold all sorts of cool stuff. Connor and I like nerded out. It was cool. Yeah, we also got we started out I think at the educational collections. So at the Denver Museum of Nature and Science, people just donate stuff to them like regularly. They just call them up constantly. Yeah, they call them up and they're like, "Hey, I've got this." Or what did they have that was like? They had like a uh, what was it? Like a, they had an astronaut, just yeah. like a full. The astronaut suit. <laughs> yeah, they're like, oh, I found this astronaut suit in my basement. What well, can I donate to you? And because they don't know exactly where it came from originally or there's some sort of lack of context, they put it in this educational collection, which is basically like the fun collection that they used to entertain people with. Um, so we started off there. Got to see the astronauts. Got to see uh, tons of animals, like a huge grizzly bear that was that's hand had fallen off. Like a stuffed grizzly bear that had oh, handed. I didn't know that. Yeah, it was like we took pictures of it, dude. Bear. I didn't see the hand. <laughs> I guess <laughs> it's a strong hand. <laughs> yeah, they do that a lot at. Uh, I mean, big museums. A lot of people just donate. So, and then we finally mm-hmm. all got together Friday night at my house. I was late because we had a dinner that I stayed too long at. And then, like immediately, once we get to my place, we start filming. Oh yeah, did we? Yeah, we started like it was literally like two seconds of do we have all the alcohol we need? All right, set up the equipment. Oh, no, as soon as we got to your house, I was already trying to spew. <laughs> got some, I remember that. Got some Cosmos. Yeah. Got some, got some Cosmos yeah. pizza. Yeah, so we started, did, we did a, uh, a Life in Ruins and Ethnosynology Watches Alpha, which was a lot of fun. We, I, like, uh, I actually really enjoyed it. Yeah, we were nine ten recommend. Yeah, yeah, we were basing it off. If you haven't checked it out, we mentioned it earlier. Um, at uh, Dig It With Raven, she does a kind of review of um, other things. Uh, she did Indiana Jones, The Mummy, um, and watches it with her friend Jude. Um, so we were kind of basing it off that, and we wanted to do Alpha because it's a super interesting movie and is super applicable to what we do. It's about hunter-gatherers. It's about wolves. It's about crappy drive lines. You yep. know, it's it's got all these all these parts to it. So, yeah, we based it on that, and then we just went ham. Yeah, so basically dig it with Raven and her friend Jude are doing like all the big name archaeology stuff and we're sitting here like scraping at the bottom of the pot like all right, what's um, anthropological? Uh, their foraging radius would have been like fourteen point two kilometers, in which case their caloric intake would have been like five times four and there therefore this movie's bad. <laughs> yeah. Whereas so they're like, Yeah, Laura Croft is like cool, look at her. She's using guns, that's not really accurate. Like it's like <laughs> Yeah, we, we nerded out hard. It was pretty it was really good. Um then the next day was a we were supposed to get fuck, it was like the next day was also just busy so saturday morning i there's uh, my cousin hosts this powwow for all the native kids in colorado he hosts it asked me to dance at it i went he was really busy i didn't want to add any frustration with him so i just decided to help out then my older brother and my nephew showed up they have our family's drum so then i got to sing with them at this powwow and like talk to david and connor about like the different kinds of dress the songs and they and we got more footage there so, and that was like a couple hours. And then we went back, got back to Boulder and all this is filmed by the way. So everything we're talking about, like will be on our YouTube channel at some point. Cause like it was, we have over, I think I, I have over like 200 gigs of footage on my own. Yeah. 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 We filmed and a lot. David of- had, we filmed a lot of stuff. Like the whole weekend was pretty much filmed. Then we went back to Boulder. We had dinner with some of the new they, they the grad students that accepted. So Connor and David got to meet got to meet some of them, meet our new students. And then we went back and did our live AMA session 
which, which we was also to. filmed. So like we, so if you saw it on Instagram and Facebook, it was really bad quality. But while that was going on, we also had our professional cameras filming as well, so we could get better, so we could throw it online. Then, did we? Yeah, we did. And then Sunday, what did we do Sunday? No, we didn't. Did we? I have yeah, we it. Did. I have footage. Oh. Well, I didn't know that. Cool. Sunday we did science. What did we do Sunday? We did science. Sunday we went uh, with AR.atlatl and uh, scienced it up. Yeah. So our buddy Alex Crabe from Wyoming came down because he missed us. And us, Crabo, and Devin, AR.atlatl, went out to the mountains and did an experimental study, which we also filmed in the mountains. It was like a gorgeous backdrop. We found like this amazing little side off in Rocky Mountain National Park. And gorgeous scenery, and we threw out nope. shot boats. What is it? Was it Roosevelt, Roosevelt National? Roosevelt National Forest. <laughs> Whatever. Roosevelt National Forest, just south of Rocky Mountain National Park. That's true, yeah. Mm-hmm. And did all that science. David hit the that ground was a lot. long day. We, yeah, we got empanadas. No, we didn't. Did we? No. No, we didn't. Oh, I definitely them. did hit the ground a lot. I shot the ground quite a bit. Yeah. It was, it was, that uh, was his. <laughs> so we, we did get it. some stellar pictures though. But it was actual research. Like Connor was, was our note taker. Me and David were filming a bunch of stuff, participating. Devin brought his two very expensive slow motion videos and high quality. So we had like four cameras going, went home. That was like a long day. Connor decided to stay the night. Thank God. He left the next morning. So Connor had to go back to Montrose. Which ended up being like a seven-hour drive and when it's usually like a five-hour drive because snow and shit. Yeah. And then uh, David came to school with me on Monday. And we filmed, then we filmed uh, Donnie Dust, did a live recording with Donnie Dust, got to show him around Boulder. And watching that man nerd out over archaeology was super fulfilling. Because this guy is a wildlife expert, primitive survival skills expert who has a very limited knowledge of archaeology. He knows a lot, but then when we were like showing him other case studies, like he loved the stone tools, we showed him the happy cache. Just awesome dude. Filmed all that, showed him around, then David went to a department talk with me and we saw some radiocarbon stuff. And I'm actually doing a public piece with that guy. Remember at the end, he's like, I wish more people knew about the hoax that's going on in terms of oh the, yeah yeah so i reached out to him i was like do you want to do a public piece and will has connections with smithsonian magazine and we're going to write a public article about uh those those statues and how ufologists are using them to show like ancient alien connections to maya based on the dates of these statues but really they're dating the glue and when you date glue which has all these different materials it gives wonky dates and they know they're going to be older so they only want you to date the glue but the guy running this lab is like, I don't know what to do because they know it's fraudulous. I know it's fraudulous, but they're going out and telling everyone these are real and people are spending their salaries in Mexico trying to buy these objects, which they think were made by aliens. You forgot about the other part you talked to the guy about, though. What I talked to him about. <laughs> you were like, hi, I'm Carlton Gova. I had recently contacted you and I too find the peak in the radio carbon dating process a little weird myself. <laughs> and I was like, look at this little guy networking over here, kissing ass. And it was awesome. Well, it's cool. Well, well, we're doing that, but then I'm also. <laughs> well, yeah, pump out of it. yeah, no, I'm really like, I'm actually going to work with this guy in Arizona. He's going to teach me how to run my ra- own radio carbon dates and I get half off the price. So if I can Ooh. run the dates myself at the isotopic lab at University of Arizona, he's going to teach me how to do the whole process, and I get to run my own dates for half the price, so I get to double the amount of radiocarbon dates I get for my dissertation. 
There you go. That's fucking, that's really dope. Boom. And on that, Half Off Dates with Carlton is on sale right now. <laughs> Lana, we're sorry we're selling this on the podcast. <laughs> but we're going to end this segment and we'll meet you on the other side in segment two. All right. Sorry, babe. Welcome back to part two of whatever episode of Life and podcast we're on. We're here with sleepy Joe Biden trying to ask him about nuclear things and Bernie Sanders healthcare <laughs> Hillary's email all right <laughs> sleepy Joe take it away oh, my guys head hurts. My I, head hurts. say anything I mean, we're not talking politics on here but just think about how lazy the name sleepy Joe is and it makes it infinitely funnier <laughs> anyway keep going so okay so we uh <laughs> So yeah, I networked with um, with Greg Hodgkins at Arizona, but then uh, yeah, Donnie Dust. If anyone doesn't know, he he was a uh, primitive survival expert. He was on the History Channel show alone. Um, <laughs> alone. <laughs> alone. <laughs> like and he and he like it was amazing having him. Like he was so nice. I like David met him first because I thought I had a meeting that day and I didn't because I'm an idiot. So I came back. I was like, hello, Mr. Dust. It's nice to meet you. He's like, yeah, don't call me Dust. Uh, my name's Donnie. I was like, yeah, sure thing, sir. <laughs> Mr. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, he, he, you were like, hey, he's upstairs or he's, he's downstairs. And I was like, oh, shit. And I went to go meet him. And I like had to, you know what? Like when you're about to meet someone that you've never met and you're like, got to put on a face and you're like, OK, I got this. Of course, me being five foot zero. I'm actually five four, but you know, no deal. He, I go and I'm like, Oh, there's this man bun. Oh my God. And I got that pan up and he's like Mount doom over me. And I was like, <laughs> I, I am, I'm, I'm David. Uh, and he was like, hi, I'm Donnie dust. And I was like, Oh God. He's going to pick me up and run away. <laughs> yeah, dude, he was, he was so nice. He like showed up, brought all of his, all this equipment and we like laid it out and we were just kind of like talking to him. He's like, so easy to talk to. We recorded this episode with him, which we live streamed part, like part of it. Brought Devin in, who we've never actually had on the show, but we were like, Devin does ancient <laughs> weapons. He does ancient tech. We need him here for this. So Devin just shows up in the middle of the episode. They just start going at it, like not like in aggressively, but they're like, Devin's like, well, what about this? And Donnie's like, oh, wow, dude, I do that too. And then Donnie was like, have you guys ever just like used, a, you know, you could use an ad ladle to grab something out of its hole and bludgeon it to death. We're like, what? We never thought about that. So it's like having... Oh it yeah, Connor, like, did we tell you that? No. Yeah, dude. Uh, he 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 mentioned that like on atlatls, you want one like you're gonna have it with you all the time. So you want it to be a multi-purpose weapon that's like durable. And he uses like the hook at the end to stick it into like a like a burrow and hook the animal and pull it out. Jesus. And he was like, if you if you haft a little hook onto the end, you're not gonna be able to do that. But if you have one that's thick and carved in there, it's a whole bet. And then you can use it to like whack a rabbit or something too. And I was like, what? Like, that's a solid that's point. so dope. It was it was yeah. nuts. He's like, yeah, I make these little crescent points. So imagine like a crescent moon, and I use them to decapitate turkeys because you can't. They their arrow, their feathers are so thick they deflect darts and uh, and arrows. So if you cut off their head like that, and Devin's like dude, we actually see that in the archaeological record. And that's what we thought they were doing. And like having those two together where Donnie's like, here's my real life experience living primitively. And then Devin would be like, here is archaeological evidence that we think is used in the same purpose. And to have them go back and forth, it was literally like doing an ethnographic study. Like yeah. this man runs survival schools. He teaches people how to make their own weapons, teaches them how, like he went vegetarian 
for uh, like a couple months just so when he went out to the wilderness, the bush, he would just survive off of plants and learn their properties. And now he's on an all meat diet. And it's like he does these things to get better in tune with nature and himself. And like it's phenomenal. And it's like just sitting down with him and just talking about his experiences, the toolkits he uses. And you're just like, how much of this is not found in the archaeological record? Because like it doesn't last. And it was just like, holy shit. Because we're all like structural functionalism and blah, 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 blah. Like every time we look at it. Yeah. But he, 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 okay. Connor, I forgot to tell you this. We didn't update you. He had a tool that he used. It was this multi-purpose tool that he had for, it was quartzite, it looked like. And it was literally shaped like an Achillean hand axe. And he's like, yeah, I've had this for years. It doesn't break when I drop it. And if I need to resharpen it, I just flake off the ends and I keep going. And it's like, one, that's awesome. And then two, like the fact that it's like shaped like an Achillean hand axe means it's just like the age old good tool, <laughs> like a biface looking thing. And then like in his hand. And then he was like, and anyone who wants to shit on behavioral ecology, come at me. But he was like, I was like, what's the first thing you do when you go out there? And he was like, well, I'd make a fire uh, or I make shelter in the fire. And then he was like, well, you know what? I, I want to make a fish trap. Like I want to be able to have passive calories coming in like while I'm resting, you know? So if I'm sleeping, I'm catching fish. I don't like there you have where I can rest and still get calories. And I was like, oh. Are you, are, you, are you familiar with behavioral ecology? And he was like, no, what's that? <laughs> I was like, okay. The shit you're doing in your brain right now. <laughs> yeah. And it's like people in the past didn't like calculate out their, like, you know, calorie expenditure and how much they're going to get. But like he, he was doing it in his brain, you know, like it is, I don't know. Cool. Yeah, he was also doing like, he was doing like prey cost analysis as well. Like he has a rank system of food and we were just like losing it in the theory with behavioral ecology. Cause he's like, well, yeah, of course. Like if I have this presented or this presented, I'm going to go for this cause it's easier to get, but I get maybe less calories. And it's just like all these things we learn about what prehistoric people used to do. This guy just does as a person living in the bush in a primitive yeah. manner. And, it's and just he was like, like, I have several rock shelters that I frequent throughout the year. I have different ones for the seasons. Uh, <laughs> and I like leave caches at different ones and stuff too, in case like I need them. David and me, David and Devin were literally just like, like, I don't even know how to explain it. Like I want, if I, you're listening, make a picture of me or Carlton saying behavioral ecology intensifies. Yeah. <laughs> it was, it was so cool. And then he's like, Oh, and then the other part we're like, Hey, do you want to like, he's like, you guys want to go? Cause I was like, yeah, like, I'd just like to go fuck around the woods with you. He's like, you want to go fuck around the woods? I'm like, yes, Mr. Dust, let's go fuck around in the woods. Please and, like, take me. and he's like, just like looking at his schedule that's booked. And he's like, Hey, I got some weeks in May. Do you guys want to like go live primitively? He's like, I won't be naked this time, but maybe next time. And so he invited the three of us and Devin. No, he said, I'm going to be naked. You guys can wear shorts if you want. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So so he invited the three of us and Devin to in like sometime in May to go out with him to like go live primitively. And I shit you not. This came out of his mouth. He's like, it's out of hunting season. However, (laughs) I I know a place where there's a lot of cats and we can (laughs) scare some cats off from their deer kill. And we're not talking about domestic Cats, he's talking about let's go find a place that's ridden with mountain lions, chase mountain lions away from their kills so we could have fresh deer meat. And I and I was like, Yes, yes, please. But he says it's so nonchalantly like it's just Wednesday. It's like, Yeah, it's me. The cats hang out. Let's go steal some food. And it's just like, uh, Okay, I, I feel safe. I feel safe within a 15 foot radius of that man. Like if anything bad was going to happen, Donnie would come and save me. 
<laughs> and like, I'm like, okay, cool. Let's do it. He was literally a Dunedain Ranger, like in, in real life. It was awesome. <laughs> it was, it was so great. So I think I might go, sh- um, I was texting today. I might go through outlatles with him on Friday cause I have the day off. So I might just go hang out with Donnie. Oh yeah. But I've been watching all those alone episodes with him on it. And there was a lot of stuff. If like, uh, he mentioned in that podcast that he uh, got really sick in the bush and what had happened was he had caught a muskrat and I don't know what happened, but he got sick from the muskrat and uh, he had like a widowmaker heart attack the year before that, before that happened. And because he couldn't keep anything down, he couldn't take his heart medication. So they had, he had to, he had to call the emergency button and like to get him out of there because like, you know, he has a family and this show wasn't worth, you know, him, them not having him anymore. But I like, it was heartbreaking because like, I just met the man, like, I really like him. And I was watching this episode where he's just like crying because yeah, he has to give up. That together at your place. Yeah, just crying because he had to give up. And it was just like, oh my God, like it, it sucked. But uh, yeah, he teaches primitive skills. There's a bunch of classes he takes. He also teaches like eight to 12 people how to make their own otlottles and then go hunt wild pigs in Texas and like in, a, in, in groups. Oh, that sounds like, awesome. Yeah, I'm looking at grants to fund a bunch of archaeologists to go take his school so we can just go do that. Don't don't drink too much wine, though, beforehand. <clears throat> God, no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Look at you. Look at all the fantasy references we're throwing out here today. This is a good episode. Uh, what, not, what, what was that one? I missed it. Robert Baratheon, that was a, man. Robert Baratheon, dude. A fucking bull, Ned. <laughs> there we go. Killed by a bull. Um, but yeah, so we will throw all that information about Donnie Dust on the show notes. So Siri, remind David to do something. What am I supposed to do? <laughs> something. <laughs> yeah, something. Alexa, remind me to do something tomorrow. <laughs> 1 p.m. <laughs> 1 p.m. <laughs> oh, boy. She's still uh, talking. All right, I'm done. What am I supposed to do? I don't know. We need to talk to Donnie. Um, so what else is going on? Um, so, yeah, we had a very fun weekend, the uh, three of us together. It was really great seeing everybody. We got to hang out. We got to film so we got like cultural anthropology in. We got museum work in. Oh yeah, we I was got going experimental. Yeah, we, we do. I mean, like everything. Like we did all aspects of of human material culture, from where like from the excavation, the experimental ethnography, and to repositories. Like we did a full, like basically, four so field. much. Yeah, four field approach to a lot of that, and then do we do uh, any linguistics? But also we talked about, well, at the powwow, we talked about the difference between Northern and Southern and like oh, different sure, sure. linguistic oh, characteristics and powwow culture. Um, yeah. And the different singing. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, and I, I, I thought we skipped over that a little bit. Thank you, Carlton, for letting us view that. It was super cool. Super interesting. And if you're ever, um, ever allowed to go view something like that, go, Go be a fly on a wall and and watch what happens or participate in what. That's my that's my little little piece. Go 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 observe these things these these uh these celebrations. They're super super interesting. Yeah, inter inter tribal powwows that happen pretty often. Anyone's welcome to go. It's like just kind of a fun thing for uh, indigenous peoples to get together, sing and dance. There's like there was like 
10 drums there. Yeah, I was just gonna, gonna say that. Like, it, like I guess I've never been to an EDM festival, but everyone's like, "You all feel the rhythm at the same time, man." Like that kind of stuff. Like, I get, I get that now because I'm sitting there and there's like ten different drum and like, I don't know. There's no cooler sound to me than like a bunch of like indigenous American like drumming happening at the same time with like the dance and the bells is cool. Yeah, yeah, and I got, I was having like, um, like a. My hair was standing up on the back of my neck. It was like a crazy, like I almost like primal response where it was like, it was insane, man. Like, I, yeah, you I, just like feel like that cool, like this is dope feeling when you're in it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and there's only, only two drums are officially invited. So you have an official North drum an official South drum. So my family was the official South drum. And then just a bunch of other people brought drums and they were just like, welcome in. And we took turns singing songs. We had a bunch of dancers from a bunch of tribes. And so like there's different styles of dance. So you had some like sports ceremonial ones and there was a guy in a, um, a fancy dance outfit. That's the one with all the colors and all the, and all the stuff. And he was just going, was lit. going hard. And that's yeah. like, if you ever go to a fancy dance competition where everybody's doing that, like the only time I've never fancy danced, but like the people that I do know fancy dance, they have to be super fit. And it's mostly high school students after two a days. Like, honestly, that's when a lot of those fancy dance contests happen. Cause it's like, you're taking all these high school males out of two a days from football. And they actually have the ability to do all that. And the stamina. Cause it's, it's so much freaking work and you, you can probably see him in those uh, either Instagram or the YouTube that we, if we eventually put it up, you can see him cause he is, moving i wouldn't say significantly more but you can it noticeably more than some of the it's, other dancers yeah it's far more energetic there's much more moving parts um to it because he's like yeah like one of them's to, like a shuffle and then the other one's like a straight up just like dance like I, yeah like I break, get, yeah. breaks because he, he's trying to make all of the feathers and all the tassels and the bells move in certain ways to create these rhythmic effects where the other traditional dancers are kind of doing like a basic two-step two powwow step where it's like pop bop 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 and he's just like bop 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 and just and every time so and for people listening like when the dancing your foot is supposed to hit the ground when the drum hits so like that's kind of how you're supposed to dance is you have to know the songs and the beat of the drum because that's when your foot is supposed to hit the ground it's supposed to be in sync so some of those fancy dance songs like they get fast in those competitions the drummers are trying to trick you so they're trying to make odd stops in there it's a whole it's it's an interesting if you don't know it you just think people are just going out there going wild but it's like there's actually a, a formal sense to it that's insane because I, I i actually i was wondering how they judge those competitions and it's like it's your ability to hit that and 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 there's other parts to it right yeah so if you actually like go on youtube and you listen like the the sound of so they wear bells on their legs and the sound of the bells coincides with the drum beat because what you're doing is you're trying to hitch your heel in a way that makes those uh, bells jingle so like you get you get uh, rated based on the the jingling so you have to use different bells of different materials to get these different sounds so like if you if you actually like watch it you can see like those bells are ringing at the same time the drum beat is because that's coinciding with their foot hitting the ground oh. in a way to make them to to make them flash like that that's super interesting, man. <laughs> Dude, it's nuts. Like the more I learn about it, because like I'm just getting back into dancing again. That's why the whole reason I was there, like sitting down with my cousins and my brother and like talking to them. And like, there's so much anthropology that's going through my head. Like, oh, well, this is why this goes. And this is why you wear this because it represents this. And there's like everything to do with those regalia ties back to historic 
period of like the long trails that are behind people where they trail the ground that goes back to warrior culture in which you would wear these long loincloths that would trail in the back that would cover up your tracks as you walked around. So like, there's all these like, and so there's a lot going on. It's not just wearing all these beads and skins. Like each one of those skins means something else. Like there's a reason why we use otter. There's a reason why we use kinds of bells and the, and all the beading that goes on in the designs are family or tribe specific. Um, so there's a lot of, there's a lot of symbolism going on to these things. So it's just like, if you just sit and talk to someone about these things, you're like, Oh, this isn't random. No. And Connor and I were sitting up in like the top of the bleachers. It was in a high school gymnasium, but like we're sitting up there in the bleachers, like asking each other questions back and forth. Like, why are they doing that? Or like, what, what is, what's the function of that? And like, just like, I don't know. It's just weird having such an anthropological training and then yeah. going and seeing something that's like the epitome of anthropology. It was cool. Yeah. It was like a throwback to like, um, we felt, I felt like, like Julian Stewart or some of the early, um, folks who are coming out and, and doing these Native American ethnographies. And I understand, you know, with all the questions I had and all the things that I kind of observed, if you don't actually talk to folks, you make a lot of wrong assumptions. assumptions. Yeah. 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 So I could totally see how early ethnographers, if you weren't able to speak the language or ask the right questions, might get these things wrong and assume things. And yeah, yeah, it was just, it, it blew my mind. It was, it was, the experience blew my tits off. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I was really worried that you guys wouldn't enjoy yourselves, and I was super happy after we left, and we like talked about it how how happy you guys were because like that's that's a like I'm you you two are actually the first of my friends that have ever seen me in that atmosphere. Usually, I keep those things separate. I have my personal life. I have my academic friends, and then I have the Pawnee side of me, and like I keep those things very separate. And so that was actually the first time I've ever had friends outside of the indigenous community come to that event. And like, I get really weird about that. Cause it's like, that's a no, huge part of me. And I don't want people to get like upset or, you know, like be like, Oh, that sucked. Cause that, you know, mm -hmm. that, that sucks for me to hear. But like the fact that, you know, you guys, a wanted to come B you did come and then three, you enjoyed yourself and had these questions and then appreciated it because you're anthropologists. Like if I brought like maybe some of my high school friends who don't do anything, I'm like, Hey, come to this. They'd be like, Oh, I don't fucking get it. But like to have you guys, it really meant a lot um, to have you guys we, there. And then we really enjoyed it. It was a good time. Yeah. yeah. Thank you for sharing that little bit of, of your culture with us, man. Yeah. I mean, it was the great. When wind river dancers would come to the arc fair all the time in Laramie. And like, I always was assigned with John Laughlin to like watch the shitty kids, like cut themselves with the stone tools. And I couldn't like go, <laughs> over there and watch the dances i could just hear it and i was like man i want to see it because like i was saying to connor out east we don't have a lot of tribes or like at least in the metro areas where i grew up so it was really hard to see all that and like just to get sucked into a room full of it was awesome yeah glad you guys liked and, it they didn't they didn't cut themselves at the wyoming arc fair day not yeah. on purpose it was a it was an incidental thing so one kid was like, should I be bleeding? And John was like, no. <laughs> you're not flint napping if you're not bleeding. So you guys got the fun parts. When I did the Wyoming Arc Fair, the first year I got stuck in like the sandbox, the fake children's excavation out in the fort. And then the second year I was with, uh, oh God, what was his name? I TA'd for him. Anyways, like we had a, we had like a technologies thing, like way out there near the Atlatl stand. So I was always like by myself, like, watching kids eat sand or like <laughs> watching kids try to like beat this 
$3,000 ground penetrating radar lawnmower. And I'm like, please don't touch that. (laughs) So sweet. Well, uh, I guess on that note, I think it's time to wrap up segment two. I think, I think we hear Elizabeth Warren, Warren claiming that she's Cherokee. We need to go, uh, we need to go check this out real quick. Not right then. (laughs) (laughs) So we're going to go take care of that real quick. Uh, We'll be back with segment three of episode uh, 18. Later. Hi, I'm Mike Bloomberg. I was mayor of New York City for throwing more than five years. Um, Be quiet. Get no here, Bloomberg. Go. go back to America Samoa. is not sponsored by you. Okay. Now that we shut that asshole off. Um, <laughs> we were talking, uh, we ended the last segment, um, and this is segment three. So we ended segment two talking about kind of um, Carlton's culture and our experience with it we had um someone on instagram react pretty negatively to the art that we produced or that uh itore maze is that right itore 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 maza produced um this guy on instagram had a really strong reaction to carlton and the um his appearance on that and and kind of the clothes he was wearing so we thought we'd break we thought we'd like mention why carlton chose to use that type of clothing in this art and yeah yeah so it it started off with this guy going ham on him saying why is this white dude wearing native garb blah 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 and it just it devolved into just insanity on his part um yeah it was just and, and then carlton sent this to us as like a you know like oh my god what the what the fuck is happening? Um, and it just, it just went, it just went wild from there. So, uh, so Carlton, why did you choose to, to, um, have the regalia, uh, outerwear, whatever you want to call it in, uh, the, the piece by Atori Maza? Yeah. So for everyone, we're talking about our podcast cover art and I'm the guy on the far left. Connor's the one in the middle with the face tattoo and David's to the far right. And part of this whole thing with the life and ruins, we wanted to look prehistorically. So like Connor and David's outfits are like prehistoric European. Connor's is more geared towards Celtic and, and David yours was like uh, Eastern European, right? Yeah. Yeah. So like basically, and then mine was uh, North American Indian. So basically like we're all represented in prehistoric clothing of the, of the populations that we're descended from. Now, part of the problem that we continue to get on our podcast and with me is that I am a white passing native person because people intermarry. My mom is very white with blue eyes. Uh, my dad is very brown with brown eyes. And when my dad used to pick me up from football practice, my Hispanic colleagues would start speaking to me in Spanish. I would not know what they were saying. And they said, you know, they were like, we didn't know you're Hispanic. I'm like, I'm not. This is my dad. He's Pawnee. I'm you had Pawnee. colleagues in middle school? Uh, sorry, I, I'm used to it. No, my football friends, like you guys go. I played football with, my football guys. So like I've, and so, and everyone that's grown up with me like knows Carlton's dad looks very Native American because he's, he's half. And you know, when you're a quarter, you know, it's, it's a thing. So like I've, I've dealt with parts of this most of my life, but because most of the people I interacted with knew my dad, there was no question. But now that we're in the public sphere, it's different. So, you know, being Pawnee is a huge part of who I am. I'm on the museum board. I'm now on the new cultural center planning board. And, you know, I, I do a lot for my nation. 
And so they and it doesn't bother them at all. Like there's a lot of Pawnees. There's there's only 3,500 of us in the country. So we're not like other tribes where there's a lot more what people would call or, you know, or Slytherins would call purebloods. Most of us are mixed. I mean, that's just kind of that's just how it is. And like it doesn't, you know, to Native Americans, blood quantum doesn't mean anything. It's like, are you enrolled? Sweet. Then, you know, that's a whole thing. Um, but on social media and things like this, like we've gotten comments before of like, why did this? So that was a beautiful fantasy reference. Um, I think that's number three. <laughs> gotcha. Um, on Instagram, Atore uh, shared the art that he did with us. So he allows us to share the art that we commissioned and then he waits a little bit, shares it on his page. And Atore tagged me in a post. Um, he's like, I think Pawnee archeologist, which is my handle can answer this question. This guy comment is like, why is this Caucasian guy dressed like a native? So I responded, I'm that guy. My name's Carlton. I'm Pawnee. These are all the things I do. Um, I'm Pawnee. And it was like, it was a huge paragraph. And I'm not going to read it to you guys. And usually that, that tells people like, okay, I looked at this guy's page. He's affiliated with the Crow tribe somehow. Um, he's primarily of sub-Saharan African descent, which you can, which you can, you can figure out. And then usually when you, when, I say like, oh, I, these are all the things I do for my nation. I'm native. Like, don't worry about it. He's like, he responded rather negatively. He's like, well, why are you wearing this? What time period is this? And I use the term outfit. He's like, we call it regalia in native circles and our native circles. And then I was like, okay. At first I responded like, who gives you the credibility to ask me these things about my heritage? And like, would you like to get into the DMs and swap CIBs? And a CIB is a certificate of Indian blood. And that's something the United States government, there are three things in the United States that are quantified by blood. And it is horses, dogs, and Native Americans. Those right. three things have pedigrees. And Native Americans are one of those. So like I am given at birth, if I'm part of a Native American tribe, my own tribal ID, which I keep in my wallet. I have two of them. I sent them both to Connor and David because I was so upset by this comment um, I sent them my original one that was given at birth and then the new one I got at a powwow when we switched to digital and got them laminated. So I told this guy, I was like, if you want to have this conversation, like, where's, where's your proof? Where's your CIB? Like, where is your, you know, proof that the federal government calls of you being native? And he immediately backed off. He's like, okay. And that happens a lot when you talk to people who, um, and it's a shitty thing to do because like I was upset. I shouldn't have said that because like that, that qualifies people of like between enrolled and descendant communities. Like I regret it. Cause it was like, cause we, you know, we've had Emily Van Alston on this podcast and she is definitely Lakota Sioux. She's not enrolled because of some of her ancestors not living with the tribe during the enrollment period, but she's Lakota, but she doesn't have a CIB. She's a tribal descendant. And it's like, there's all these politics that go into it. And like, she's, she's gotten it too. Cause like Emily, if you look at hers, Emily Van Awesome, she's similar to me. She's like, she has one native parent who's mixed. And then her, her other parent is white. So we are both white passing native Americans. She has blue eyes. I have blue eyes. We both have white skin. We're super involved and we're active members of our community. And, uh, you know, I, I was texting her. I was like, what do I do? And she had so she gets similar stuff. Like there was a, a comment on one of her posts where she's wearing some awesome beaded earrings. And some girl was like, if uh, Emily Van Awesome can call herself native, so can you. And 
And Emily's like, what, what does that mean? And this girl's like, a friend and I had a discussion about white passing native people more open about claiming ingenuity versus people of color that do not feel as comfortable doing so. Came across this, reminded me of that combo and how indigenous presenting folks are more hesitant to embracing their ancestry. It's like, I ended up commenting on that. I was like, why don't you actually talk to her and see what she does? Because it's like, it's, it's, it's interesting. Like we, we, white passing native people have a very, we're in a weird space because to a lot of white people, we're not native and to a lot of native people, we're not native. And it's like, it's, it's really weird. And it's like, you know, I can understand that. And it's like my, my younger brother struggles with it because, you know, I'm with the museum. I do all this other stuff. Like I can literally throw a fucking thesis of oral traditions and like all my background and my resume of like, yeah, I'm not native. Go fuck yourself. And my younger brother, same amount of Pawnee as me, had the same upbringing as me. He's in Florida and he tries to tell people, yeah, I'm Pawnee. And they're like, and my brother, like on the spectrum of color that represents my siblings and my cousins, like my brother is the color of white you paint your walls. I can at least get a, a tan in the summer. Eggshell white. Yeah. Like I can get a tan in the summer and pass as native and like he can't, he just gets burnt. And and it's it's and it's and it's a huge struggle for him. And he's like, I don't do what you do. Like I don't have any of this. And you know, and I really feel bad for him because like as bad as I get it, like he just gets shit on. And uh, it's it's weird. And you know, we we get this a lot. So we just wanted to bring it up on the podcast. Like, you know, some background for some of our newer viewers and listeners. It's like this this is a thing. I am Pawnee. That's why I chose to be represented just as David and Connor got represented as, you know, their ancestry. And it was like, and it, plus what I'm wearing isn't even like ceremonial. It's like a ribbon shirt, some brass, and then a bone chest plate, like nothing crazy. And, you know, we get a, got attacked on it. Nothing that's, nothing that's for, forbidden, right? There's nothing that's forbidden for you to show. Exactly. Like I'm not out there wearing anything crazy. I'm not wearing any paint or colors or anything. And even when we did post it on Instagram, someone asked about it and like, we were like, why don't you read the description of the post? And they're like, oh, right. Yeah, I can't read. Cause there's a lot of people, they just want to comment to comment, but you know, that's how it is on Instagram. Yeah. And I'm really glad that like when I texted you guys, you guys were both very supportive. Cause it's like, I was just having a rough day. And then I had that shit of like having my identity questioned is just like not fun. No, I mean, and, and the reality of um, people today is that, I mean, the people, people mix together. That's, you know, of different races, of different creeds. Of as different, they always have done. Yeah. As we have evidence of it. And, you know, we, with non, you know, not even homo, homo sapiens, we mix with other, you know, so it's 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 hard, uh, you know. Questioning people's nativeness is not something that should be trending or should ever, you know, happen. If you participate in your tribe, if you, you know, if you have a little bit of heritage there, and you you, you want to, you know, you want to express it, do your thing. That's you know, it's just it's, it's it blows my mind that it's even something that people can can actively do, but it's. It's this part of this a little bit like political correctness, but also policing native people who are trying to express themselves, you know, and natives do it, too. It's not just like non-natives, like a lot of natives do it as well, especially ones that have like what we consider high percentage of Indian blood. 
they they are very protective of it. Like I remember reading a Facebook post is like, I only will have full blooded natives because and like there's like this tiered system and it's like created just because of like if someone to say, oh, I'm Irish, they don't say, how Irish are you? Like there's this weird when you say you're native, the only time it's not questioned is if you support the Washington football team name. It's like, oh, well, I support it. And like, oh, sweet, this native guy supports it. And that's the only time it's not questioned. Like it's really weird how people get grilled about it and when it's acceptable to ask when it's not when you need proof when you don't and it's like especially with native americans it's like that those are the people you can question about their ancestry but if you were to walk in and be like oh i'm french and people just be like oh sweet and it's like well where's your french card and well they don't exist like it's weird like right like am i making yeah. any sense yeah, totally. no no no, no, no. Totally. I, I have plenty i could say about this from the other side but no please uh, go ahead no dude we're here uh like okay, okay. Like I, I always hate like announcing this, but I mean it's not. I don't hide it. Like I, I have Jewish ancestry, and there's people that, as soon as I say I'm Jewish, that is the only thing they remember about you. And it's like, oh yeah, that's a Jewish thing to do. You know, like just the the teasing stuff. And that's fine. Like I'll I'll jib, like jab back and forth with it. But like I'll be told by some Jews that I know that like you're not Jewish, and it's like you know it, like if. If this was 1940s Germany, I would very much be Jewish. So it's like, I, I don't know. And it's weird. And then people will like ask you to prove it on that end. And then like, they're like, I grew up with it. It's like a cultural thing that I have. And like, I've my whole mom's extended family. Like it's, it's part of like my young childhood. And like, it's some, I don't like fill it out all the time. I'll just say like white. If I, like, I have to give the option, if I have the option to say other, I always do. Cause fuck ever answering a racial question. But I, I don't know. It's odd. I think we talked about this in bio theory, Connor. Like Damien is Scottish and Japanese and I'm Scottish and Jewish. And like it, I forget where I was going with this, but like you, you couldn't looking at Damien and looking at me, you couldn't tell that we have like Scottish ancestry, but like and only until I tell somebody and like the dude that was in Wyoming, that was like, ah, man, do you remember that post I had where the guy we're talking to some hunter and he was talking about how you can just stack elk like Jews. Oh uh, no. Yeah. And he was like, yeah, man, dog, elk herb will just come through and you just shoot them and just stack them like Jews. And I was like, and I'm sitting there with Ben Perlmutter, who's also like way more Jewish than I am. Like he's religious about it. I'm not religious, but sitting there and we were like, uh, okay, have a good night, man. And just like, let him go. Cause like he, he did he didn't mean anything by it, but it's also just a slight passive thing to genocide. So it's like, eh. but yeah, like that's, that's the ironic same. thing is like, you can look at me and just assume I'm white, but you did like, it's just stupid. Um, but then like on your end, it's like, you're really proud of like the non white stuff that you have and you don't look it to some people. I don't know. Like I'm, I'm proud of both of it. Yeah, I am too. I love my, like I'm Scotch Irish. My middle name is fucking Quinn. I mean, like, <laughs> I, I, you know, my family is very Roman Catholic. Some people saw on social media, like I got confirmed in the Catholic church, not because I'm religious at all, but I was practicing in a ritual that my Catholic family does. It was like, I didn't see it as a religion. I was just practicing what my family has been doing in the Irish Catholic church for thousands of years. So I participate culturally and ritually in both of these things. And it's like, I'm not like, I don't, I'm not, a, I don't hate white people. I am white. You know, but it's yeah. also easy. Like I, from the other end, like if I didn't want to support or help indigenous issues, I could just not and never say anything about it. And, but I, I, I'm cognizant that I put myself in a position where this happens 
And like, I, I choose to do this because it's like, I think it's important. And because I'm white passing, there's when people don't know I'm native and I'm at some anthropology conferences, like, and they don't know, I can hear some pretty fucked up things. I'm like a fucking native ninja. Like I can just go into things and just like listen to people's unbridled responses. I mean, there's, I do. I love that. Yeah. Being able to do that. <laughs> I mean, there was a moment at when we were in essays in DC and there was a professor that was making fun of Indian names. He's like, oh, I forget her fucking name. I think it was two dogs fucking, you know, those fucking stupid ass Indian names. And I was just sitting there like, an SAA conference. I was like, yep. And you're a professor and you teach people and you used to be a student here. And I was just like, what and the person i was with who who was a colleague of mine like looked at me awkwardly and we kind of shared this like yikes that's not cool but it's like I, i'm privy to that and i'm like kind of grateful i am because i get to really hear honest truths to people and then i can be like i don't want to work with this person and like people that work with them i'm not too stoked about if that makes any sense it's like i'm, I'm also given this privilege of being uh, of like information that like if, if my cousin walked in or my dad walked in, people wouldn't say those things, but because I'm white passing, I'm privy to some things that other people would say behind closed doors. Same. Yeah. Like my last name is very English, but like if it was Steinboig, like my mom's maiden name is like, I'd be, life would be a little different. Yeah. And you're, I mean, your mom's practicing. Yeah. Is your dad practicing? Oh no, my dad's not Jewish oh. at all. He's, um, my dad's like Scottish, I, um, okay, gotcha. English. My mom's is she like vehemently opposes religion, um, but her whole family is like she was raised. Jew. She's like a you know New York City Seinfeld Bernie Sanders Jewish person. <laughs> like um, offered me matzo ball like, soup when I visited. <laughs> yeah, he thought it was great. like see see that like we're that kind of Jewish where it's like we're not overtly like speaking Hebrew every Friday and we don't really do anything religious, but like we have that culture of, of Judaism in our family. Um, Super concerned I, that I had I'm, nothing packed for my trip to Texas. She was oh like, God, that's my mom. She was just like, yeah, food. And, just, <laughs> and she gave me all those cookies. And I was like, I, you know, I don't plan on stopping. And she's like, but you got to eat something. And I'm just like, I, I know, but you know, it's just, I'll get stuff along the way. And she was like super concerned. Like I felt so welcome in the how household when I showed up, like they made this huge dinner. And got to hang out with David and it was like, and his mom was just super welcoming and it was like, yeah. So it's like, and yeah, I didn't know you were Jewish until, and it's not like something I ask people, but you wore that uh, jacket that had the you Jewish bro. Yeah. <laughs> you wore that, you wore that jacket and uh, with the star of David on it. And I remember like the first time you did it and we were sitting there and I think that was the day those um, Palestinians stepped up to you on campus. If you remember that. Yeah, I won't forget that. <laughs> so, Connor, what's your heritage now that we're uh, – <laughs> what do we got? Yeah, what I'm, kind of mud are you? I, I, I'm, I'm just I'm – a, I'm a mud blood, man. I'm just like this this ugly mix of German, Irish, French, Italian. I'm just like a big shit show is my heritage. My, you know, my parents are practicing – You're basically show. like the European royal family, just everything combined. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm, and it's interesting to see because I, you know, I think my my heritage isn't oppressed or questioned or made fun of unless it's like, oh, you're just a drunk Irish guy or something like that. So seeing you guys having to go through these these issues has really opened up my eyes to you know how I should talk about these things and how should I address these things because it's I'm I'm not actively oppressed. I'm actively in the majority in, in the U S and I, 
you know, I want to be more vocal and more um, outspoken for you guys because I, I care about you and you, you're good people. Except for Strider. He's a fucking asshole. <laughs> I miss that dog. Be careful. He's jet black. <laughs> and German. <laughs> yeah, it's an oxymoron household for sure. Yep. There was a guy in Laramie that a Halloween thing at the the ranger who was just dressed as a Hasidic Jew for his Halloween costume, like with the the glasses with the big nose and stuff. And I was like, yeah, that that native American costume. And if it was a dude in a native American costume who was white, I would have gone up and be like, dude, but like this guy was like, I couldn't tell. Maybe he was Jewish. Maybe he wasn't because he was white. So I was like, uh, Maybe uh, I knew most of the Jews in Laramie because, you know, there was like four of them. <laughs> but like, it, I don't know. I, I just didn't want to bother. I was like, just let him have a good time. Like, he doesn't know any better. But like, maybe now I'd have been like, dude, what you, what oh, you did you want it some like, worse at this, which is full of anthropologists for their Halloween. They had a costume contest and one of those anthropologists dressed up as a Native American. And not only did they do that. But he won the costume contest. What the fuck? An anthropologist did that. An anthropologist oh my God. for him to win. Like you hear about this shit and you're just like, they just don't know any better. But like if you're an anthropologist, a sociologist, like or even someone who's a decent fucking human being who like knows other cultures exist and don't like being appropriated, like that's not okay. But like anthropology especially no, that's that's not okay. Yeah. No, and on and on that note, PSA: Don't fucking culturally appropriate on Halloween. Don't be a dick. No, it's like also just you know just enjoy other people. Everyone, it, you don't need twenty three and Me to find out that you're you're interethnic. Everybody is, and like yes, there are shades mm-hmm. of colors of human beings. There have been for millennia, and like subspecies getting together. Like everyone gets together. Everyone has it, and like don't take away someone's identity because you don't believe it because like what do you know like don't be an asshole subspecies in, in the distant yeah. past yeah there are no current. subspecies currently in the distant past like don't be an asshole like it's honestly just don't be an asshole someone says hey you know this is who i am this is what i believe totally straight now if someone believes that their identity is a apache attack helicopter maybe you should talk to them um but you know other other than that just let people be i'm half purpose. <laughs> <laughs> Now that we have alienated the porpoises and the Apache helicopter people, uh, that's end of episode 18. Thank you so much for listening to us. Like and subscribe. Rate and review. Yeah. Um, before we leave it on like a super depressing note, too, just uh, as a recap, we, we did um, – the, everything we talked about that we did the past weekend uh, in Colorado will be on our po- our podcast Instagram. Uh, it's on my Instagram and it will be on the uh, Life and Ruins YouTube soon. Um, but just keep an eye on the Instagram. Connor and Carlton, was there anything else we had to say? Oh, also, this is uh, part one of an episode. Uh, episode 18, part two is our interview with Dan- Donnie Dust. So that's why there's two episodes coming out today. So one is just the regular one and the one after this is just our interview unfiltered. So you guys got a twofer because we love our fans. And, uh, uh, fuck. Well, I guess, uh, we, uh, we've done this before. Uh, I'd live a life in ruins again. Connor, would you do that? No, no. David, would you do that? No. Uh, yeah. I really didn't either. I think I said this before I'd go into marketing. So no, cool. I would do anyway, it. I would do it. I, I, I mean, yeah, of course. Like I, this is fun. 
no. the powwow re-solidified that for me. I was like, yeah, I would do this. Connor's still hard enough. No. All right. Well, with that, uh, we're out. Thanks for listening to a Life in Ruins podcast. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at a Life in Ruins podcast. And you can also email us at a Life in Ruins podcast at gmail.com. And remember, make sure to bring your archaeologists in from the cold and feed them beer. This show is produced by the Archaeology Podcast Network, Chris Webster and Tristan Boyle in Reno, Nevada at the Reno Collective. This has been a presentation of the Archaeology Podcast Network. Visit us on the web for show notes and other podcasts at www.archpodnet.com. Contact us at chris at archaeologypodcastnetwork.com.